Welcome to Mornings with Martin. Today we are back in Joshua chapter 10. If you remember last time, we talked about Joshua 10 verses 1 through 15 and how the the five Amorite kings gathered all their armies together and came against Israel. And then uh, Joshua prays to the Lord that the sun would stand still for the day. And this is one of the few times when the Lord, when it says that the Lord heeded uh, or even submitted to the voice of a man. And we talked about last time how he does that in other places in scripture, most notably, of course, at the cross, where Christ goes to the slaughter as a sheep, uh, goes to the cross as a, as a sheep goes to the slaughter, silent, and submits to that plan. And that we are the better for that submission, because through his death, through his resurrection, we have eternal life with him in his kingdom. Well, all of that was last time. Today, we are continuing on with the story because the battle's not over yet. So we know that a lot of the battle is over, but the, continue, the story continues in 16 through 27. Now, again, it's a longer text, so I'm not going to put it on the screen or I'm not, and I'm not going to just read it. Instead, here's a quick summary. So the battle's nearly over. The kings know that they're going to be defeated. And so the five Amorite kings hide themselves in a cave. When Joshua learns that they've hidden themselves in this particular cave, he he finds the cave and he orders that large stones are rolled in front of the cave's mouth so that they cannot escape and that uh, there be guards set up in place in front to guard uh, this cave with a stone rolled in front. And then uh, he tells the rest of the Israel army, continue on to fight, go on fighting until the full battle is over. So some time has passed now. They go back to the cave and they go back and they roll away the stone and these five kings are brought out. And this is where it gets kind of graphic uh, that Joshua puts these kings uh, down on the ground and he instructs the leaders of Israel to come and to place their feet on the necks of these kings and that's how that's how these kings die is they their uh, their necks are crushed um, now the real question for us why why this detail why 11 verses of detail uh, as far as why why how they died at the cave why any of this why not just say and so they defeated the amorites the end and move on with the story well Scripture typically does things for a reason, and so uh, I think this is a great parallel between what's going to happen at the resurrection, because you have kings in both situations. You have Jesus, the king of kings, the lord of lords, and you have these five Amorite kings. So the Amorite kings, they represent this, uh, well, they are the enemies of God. And Jesus is, of course, God himself, who stands as a representative for his people. And what's interesting is the contrast here, because these five kings, the enemies of God, they go into the cave alive. Jesus goes into his cave. They called it a tomb because he was dead. So they go in alive. He goes in dead. They get brought out alive to be put to death. Jesus is risen from the dead, comes out to live and to never die again. So you have this very big opposite of how God's enemies go from life to death 
and how God and his people go from death to life and to life everlasting. It's an incredible parallel, especially when you consider uh, that there are large stones rolled in front of the cave, that there were guards set up in front of the cave as well. All of it mirrors uh, the, the Easter weekend events. Now, there's one other segment here of the text, which is really interesting. And it's really a fulfillment of, or a quasi-fulfillment of uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when the manner in which they die uh, is via their necks being crushed. It's not by bow and arrow. It's not by sword. It's not starvation or anything like that. Instead, it is via crushing of their a neck and head region. So Genesis chapter three tells us that uh, that's exactly how God is going to uh, wipe out and destroy his real enemy, Satan, right? I'm going to crush your head. And throughout the Old Testament, we have examples of uh, God's people coming away with victories via crushing heads. So you've got, uh, just later on, you've got two different examples. You have Abimelech in the book of Joshua and book of Judges. And he is this uh, judge who um, somewhat saves his people, but then immediately turns evil and needs to be punished himself. And so he comes against this, uh, this large uh, army and he's overtaking it. And then this woman takes this large millstone and and drops it from the, the top of this wall and his head, his, his skull is crushed via it. Or uh, same book in Judges, when uh, it, Deborah and uh, uh, Barak, Balak, uh, no, um, Barak, uh, then they are the, the judges and uh, the king is, is running and hiding and then Jael uh, takes the tent peg and crushes his head with that. So. Over and over again, you have these examples of heads being crushed, God's enemies' heads being crushed. And that's exactly what God does in, uh, in the last times, too, is, is he crushes Satan's head. He is defeated and cut off. And so we have this great imagery of Christ, his resurrection, and his defeat of Satan, all here in Joshua chapter 10. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is that your scripture, Old and New Testament, flow together, that you have uh, pointed us forward to the cross and empty grave of your son, Jesus Christ, on every page of scripture. Lord, we pray your blessings over our study this week uh, as we dive into your word and learn more about your love and your grace for us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time.